Blog Talk Radio. Ministry broadcast. I'm your Apostle Margie Mercer. Now you will hear from Apostle Lockamy. Uh, we thank you so much for staying tuned to us. Our normal time is from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. And hopefully we can get back on our schedule for as next week. But we thank God that Apostle Lockamy, he decided that he wanted to get on tonight because he has a special word that God has given him for us. God bless you again. You listen to Apostle Alexander Lockamy, the man of God, the man who has the wisdom gift, and it is time now for the burning bush. God bless you. Apostle, are you there? I am. Well, God bless you. How's everything down your neck of the woods? Uh, a little rainy, but other than that, the sign. Oh, that's good. I was looking that we had rain here up in Maryland, and sometimes the rain gets so heavy that I thank the Lord because I tell you, He not only washes the earth, but He washes our He washes our car as well. <laughs> so yeah. when it's down there, what do you say about the rain weather, Dad? That how it just cleaned the earth. What's the benefits of the rain weather? Well, that's what the Bible said. It nurses. The Bible says, well, the rain is, the crop grows, and that land is blessed. So it's a blessing for it to rain. And if there is no rain, the Bible says it's cursed, so we're blessed. Even though people curse the rain today, but the rain today is a blessing. The blessing. Yes. And I know, too, when we out, um, when we shadow and over, overpowered by the power of the Holy Ghost, it rains on us. I love it. Let me ask you something. I noticed that when in the day of Pentecost, all of the disciples are on one accord and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit came upon them. How did it come upon them? The Bible said as a rushing mighty wind. It sounded like a rushing mighty wind. And you know what I did when a storm get ready to come up and the wind get all in the trees and leaves get to blowing and paper and everything and the dust flying all over the place and you trying to get into the house because you know a storm coming. You hear the rain coming in the trees. That's where it came. It came like a rushing mighty wind and landed on all that were clover tongues like a fire. It looked like fire. It said clover tongues of fire. You know, clover like a 3 d clover, but it landed on them like clover tongues of different languages 
uh, came upon them. It was like fire. Well, I noticed that the Word of God said when we get saved, that we should get uh, baptized, and it says that the evidence would be the outpouring of the Holy Spirit through tongues. Is that correct? Did I say yeah. that? Yeah, well, yes, you speak in tongues. It's just, it's just a representation that the Holy Ghost is there, you know. It, it's just evidence that the Holy Ghost is there by you speaking in another language. Wow, because I know a lot of people think that if they're not familiar with it, they think that it's very, very strange to hear the outpouring or people speaking in tongues. Another thing that people, I notice sometimes they watch people, especially those who feel with the Holy Spirit, is there such a thing as shouting? Because they have a lot of people say that God don't believe in all that noise of people running around shouting. It, what do you say about it? Well, all I say is that the Bible told us to shout. So if God told us to shout, the Bible ain't going to argue with them. I mean, they can believe what they want to believe. It's already been finalized in the Word of God. The Bible says, let every man be a liar and God be the truth. But the Bible told us to shout. And so I'm gonna, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to shout. We got, shout is just a sign of happiness, a greater happiness, an expression of a great joy. That's why we shout. Yes. Because God told us to shout. Yes. It's sad that, you know, when you look at the churches today, so many people got traditions that a lot of times they just don't step back, forget about the program, and let God be God. Because there are times I've been in programs I can feel the spirit of praise, and he just wants praise, but people want to get back to the agenda. So what do you feel about that? Well, we just got to uh, be more sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Everybody do things different. All churches are different. All programs, all denominations are different. But I just believe that people just be, be, be the, be, need to be more sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And if they be more sensitive to the Holy Spirit, he will lead them in whatever service they in, without whatever nomination, he will lead them how to carry out that service. So everybody do things different. I'm kind of like this. It used to, I'm younger, when I was younger, if I wanted to go, if I felt like shouting, I go to a church that was shouting. And I feel like giving God a praise. I go to a church and giving God a praise. And I felt like excited about running. I knew they were a church down the street that they like running. You know, I just I go wherever, all depending on how I felt, you know. I, that's, that's why I was going to that church. And they want nothing to get because we all do things different. You know, no one does things the same. But however the Holy Spirit does, then let the Holy Spirit have his way. You know, the disciples asked the Lord when they talk about, the church down the street won't do it like they do it. The Lord said, just because they doing it, ain't doing it like you do it, don't mean they don't belong to me. So leave them alone. So I said, leave people alone. If they shout, let them shout. They run, let them run. They, whatever they do, let them do. You just do what God got you to do. Amen. I know that they say that in the last days when God uh, called different, you know, different nations of people, they say they're going to come from all nations. I think it was in Revelation where it's all denomination and nations of people. Is that correct? Yes, all different. He, he said I have people of another folk that is not of this folk. In other words, God got people that we think may not be his people, but that's God. And, the way, and if he said they're his people, they're his people. So what we need to do is make sure that we are his people and quit bothering folk who we think ain't his people. Yes. It's very sad that I watch sometimes, I like the Christian videos and TikTok, and when I be flipping through it, I see that 
there's different pastors bashing other pastors, talking about this one trying to sell books or this one just trying to tickle people's souls. And they are criticizing the different leaders, and they are leaders themselves. In the Bible, say we're not supposed to uh, debate the word as well as talk about or point fingers at those in leadership, right? Yes, we are not either. We are concerning us, but best today or particular day or particular month or particular program. We we're not to judge one another, and especially leaders. Leaders need to be backing one another up rather than putting one another down. It's kind of like uh running for politics, you know, they always make the other person look bad so they can win. I'm kind of like this. If you got to make somebody else look bad for you to win, I ain't going to vote for you either. Because, <laughs> so that's the way leaders are. Leaders will make others I'm gonna come to my church. Uh, you ain't had church till you come to my church. Well, I would think that God was at your church just like it's my church, and I don't need to come to your church to find God if God is my church. Yes. Well, I'm going to step on some people's toes, so they might as well say, ouch, now. What do you believe about women that um, they tell the women to be silent in the church, but yet the Bible said that Jesus told Mary to go tell his disciples? So what do you think about women becoming ministers or preachers in the church or opening their mouth in the church? To- well, I'm going to tell you from experience that I experienced. And uh, I went to one of the cities nearby one day and after being saved, serving the Lord, and being a Christian for a little while. And my pastor was a, was a woman. And uh, I was in the hospital, I think. I went to the hospital for some reason. I was visiting the hospital. While there, I, left, I, I met a minister, and we were just talking about church and leadership and everything like that. He knew I was a Christian. So he mentioned about my pastor. I told my pastor, and I said, her. He said, well, your pastor is a woman? He said, you need to get out of her because that's an abomination. God did not call no woman to preach. And he said, and if she's an abomination, you're you going to become an abomination. And I've been young, you see, he, you know, I'm, I'm not knowing no better. I'm being young and thinking that he's telling the truth. I was somewhat offended about that. I thought, oh, my God, I don't want to be on no abomination. I love my pastor, sweet lady. But, but see, I was young, and, and, and he deceived me. And I went back there that day, uh, all vexed in the spirit. We had an evening service at my church, and I'm saying, okay, after this service here, I'm not going coming back no more because I ain't going to be sitting on no abomination. So in the afternoon, a prophet was there that afternoon, and the prophet called me up and told me, "Say you have been deceived. Somebody told you to leave this church because your pastor is a woman. Said, but God said you stay here and don't you go nowhere until he tells you to go. Now, I know this prophet was not in, in that city I was in. This prophet didn't know nothing about what had happened to me that early in that day. So that right there gave me the witness that, that not, the, not the judge, no woman, uh, because, uh, because she's a woman, not to judge her. And I, I learned from that day, and I tell each and every one, God called who he wants to. He didn't call in the flesh. He called in the spirit. He said he, he said in heaven there won't be no male or female, but it'll be spirit. So God, people looking at the at the female stature, but he's not looking at the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost can call who he wants to. Actually, in the Bible, the woman was the first one left running, preaching the gospel. She's the first one went and told that, uh, that Jesus had raised from the dead. So, no, I, I, I learned from that day. Uh, not to judge women preaching because God told me don't go nowhere. And I know that prophet didn't know nothing about it. And I stayed right there until I got ready to go out and do ministry. But every opportunity I got, I still go back. I love my pastor. She's a woman, and I I dare not judge her. Wow, that's really beautiful. And I love how you said the adversary was there meeting you when you went up to a hospital to deceive you. 
But then a man of God you knew nothing about came as an angel in disguise and to tell you what thus said the Lord and told you don't leave. That was a beautiful, beautiful testimony, you know, that, that God still lead us into all spiritual truth. So what does it mean? I know a lot of people might want to know, what is being, I have a wisdom gift, or, or what is that, or being wise? What does that mean? Well, the gift of wisdom tell you, it reveals things unto you that uh, you didn't know. A spiritual thing, thing that nobody told you, a hidden thing. For the Bible says all these hidden things come from God. So God gives you wisdom and knowledge how to do things that you did not know how to do, or things you didn't know. He revealed it under you. Take for example, he get whenever the king going to kill all the prophets because he had a dream, and he didn't, and he he did an interpretation of that dream. He said his soothsayers were fooling him. They pretended they know that they tell us, O king. And the king said, I'm not going to tell you that because you, 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 if you, if you got the power you say you have, you should know what I dream and what it means. And they said, you're wrong for us uh, having us to do that because no king never does that. But, but Daniel said, tell the king, don't kill nobody. Let me go talk to God and pray, and I'll get back with you. And that night God gave Daniel the knowledge, the wisdom, the understanding, the insight. All hidden things come from God. And Daniel prayed and said, as he got through praying and God revealed it unto him, he said, who is likened to God? who reveal the secret things on the earth. Wisdom will reveal secret things, knowledge, and understanding that you had, didn't know nothing about. And that's what God revealed unto Daniel. And Daniel was able to go to the king and tell the king not only what he dreamed, but what the dream meant. Now, that's the two prophets where they can tell you what you dream and then what the dream means. Most folks, you tell me, I dream about a watermelon. I dream about a cow. I dream about a piece of corn. Or something. They come up with some all kind of craziness trying to give you an interpretation when they ain't got nothing to do with what, 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 what the dream was about. Wow, that's beautiful. So do you believe in prophets? Is there modern-day prophets? Yes, yes, I have one myself. <laughs> yes, I believe in modern-day prophets. People say that when the prophets left and the, and the apostles left, there ain't no apostles and there ain't no more prophets, but they need to read the scriptures. So the scripture said he ascended on high. He left gifts unto men, some apostles and prophets and and evangelists and preachers and teachers for the ministry, for the edifying of the spirit, for the building up of the body of Christ, for the tearing down a stronghold, for the perfecting of the saints. And that came through Christ Jesus. Wow, so they have to line up the words. So there are prophets. And I think it's so beautiful. A lot of people get on me sometimes. They say, you don't say prophetess. I said, no, I do not. I said, Ephesians 4 said that he calls some to be apostles, some to be prophets preachers and teachers. He didn't say pastor tis. He didn't say apostle tis. He didn't say prophetess. He said apostles, prophets, and teachers. I said that's mm-hmm. what God said he called just because Phoebe had tis behind her name or others. I go by what the word of God said. When God called me, he said, you apostle prophet, not prophetess. So what do you feel about that? You know, some people try to say that he is she um, terms of the word. Well, he said in the last day he would provide his spirit on your sons and your daughters. And he didn't say they're going to prophetess. He said they're going to prophesy. So he let you know that they're a prophet. You know, we want to put that tears on because they're a woman, but that had nothing to do with it. Because it ain't about the woman. It's about the Holy Ghost itself. It's about God's gift. And it ain't no tears on it. It's just prophet. Yes, that's what I, I believe, too, as well. And I know that with Apostle God, use them to develop, establish, and confirm a thing. And the prophet, they hear from God. So I agree with you wholeheartedly. 
Well, you heard Apostle Alexander Lockamy, the man of God himself. We're looking forward to this book that he's um, going to write. And hopefully he'll have a book of the wisdom saying of the apostle. So we're looking for two books, not just one, but two books in the making. So do stay tuned. If you need more information, if you would like to get in touch with him, his phone number is, what is it, apostle? 910-658-5206. Again? 910-658-5206. Yes, that's Apostle Alexander Lockamy. Well, I'm going to turn it over to him because he has an awesome word for us. So get ready and hold on to your seats. Amen. Uh, good evening, everyone, the radio fans. We want to talk this evening. Oh, we have a word from the Lord. I tell you, I taste it. You know how it is when you're cooking something, you have to taste it first. I get that from my wife. She tastes it before she before she serves it to us to make sure it's okay. So I done taste it, and it's okay to serve it. God wants me to talk this evening about prayer stoppers, prayer stoppers. I want to talk about things that seems that are going to help somebody who have a hindrance in your prayer, somebody who's been praying and seems like your prayer has been answered, seems like something stopping your prayer. It might, may not just be, it may not, it might be some of the things that you're doing that cause your prayer not to be answered because God just don't answer prayer just because you pray. There are stimulation in prayer. There are circumstances in prayer. God has a guideline about prayer. And and, and, and and God had it fixed so that when you pray, you have to have your heart right when you pray. Now, I want, we want to go to Proverbs 28 and 9. See what Proverbs 28 and 9 say about prayer. Proverbs 28 and 9. Proverbs 28 and, and Proverbs 28. Go with me, Proverbs 28 and 9. And while you find it, read, One who turned away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayers, is an abomination. Think about that. A lot of people out here praying, talking about God hearing their prayer, and they don't turn their ear against God. They want nobody to tell them that. They won't do right. They go to church Sunday after Sunday. They hear the word of God and go right back out of the world and do whatever they want to do. That's turning the deaf ear. The Bible says it's better not to hear the word than to hear the word and not do it. Anytime you go to church or Bible study or Sunday school and you can hear God's word and then you turn and go right back out in the world and do whatever you want to do, you said to God, I don't want to hear that. I, I'm not going to do it. You didn't say it out of your mouth, but you said it your way to acting. You went back to the devil. You started doing what the devil wants you to do. And you said to God, Lord, I, 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 I'm not, I don't want to hear your word. And the Bible said, then, 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 then your prayer. And then when you get in trouble and want to pray, the Bible said your prayer is abomination. Your prayer is not clean. Your prayer disgusts God. Your, your prayer aggravates God. Your prayer... You, you, your prayer upsets God to the fact that he does, he's not going to hear it. Why? Because you turn the deaf ear to him. The Bible said uh, the, the cause of unanswered prayer. I want to talk about how your prayers can be hindered. There's so many ways your prayers can be hindered and uh, cause you not for God not to hear your prayer. You know, Daniel, in his case, uh, demonic forces stopped his prayer. But the demonic forces stopped today, and the demonic forces can stop us also. And we have to be so careful that when we pray that we're on target with God. You can't be mad at somebody and hate them and then expect your prayer to be answered. It would hinder your prayer. It would cause your prayer to be on delay. And then it says here, I want to talk about hindrance, uh, turning a deaf ear. I'm going to talk about this is four things that would cause 
uh, your prayer not to be answered. Turning a deaf ear, we just talked about that. When you go to church and you go back home, the Bible said in the day you hear my voice, harden not your heart. That's what happened to the children of Israel. And all of them died in the wilderness. Some said they thousand died because they turned their, their deaf ear to the Lord in the wilderness. The Bible said they died. He said a deaf ear is a dangerous thing. They hear God's word. Moses led them out of the wilderness, led them out of Egypt. Then they got out there in the woods the wilderness and wouldn't even listen to Moses. And the Bible said they turned a deaf ear to Moses. Woke up this morning about to have a fight. Then started a coup. Then started a division. Fit to take over and, and, and disdain Moses. Fit to take him off the throne and put himself on the throne. Turn a deaf ear to the word of God and God killed 70,000 people because they turned the deaf ear. And another thing that would hinder your prayer is loving sin. You can't love sin when you've been born again. You got to denounce sin. You got to forsake sin. You got to leave sin alone. You got to put sin on the back burner. You got to get rid of sin. You got to walk away from sin. You got to resist sin. Because if you love sin and you've been born again, then sin is going to get the best of you. Sin is going to control you. Sin is like a drug, it's controlling. It never says no. It's like a fire that never starts burning. It's like the grave that never sits there. It's like the grave that never stops taking. The grave will always take. Fire will always take. And so will sin. Sin has no limitation. It goes from iniquity to iniquity. It'll destroy you. It'll take away your anointing. It'll take away your reputation. It'll take away your relationship with God. And it will cause your prayer not be handled. And another thing, design wrongly. God is not going to answer your prayer. People be praying all kind of prayers, praying for somebody else's husband, praying for somebody else's wife, somebody else's boyfriend and girlfriend, and they think God's going to answer that prayer. God is not going to give you nobody else's girlfriend or boyfriend. He's going to give you somebody else's husband. The Lord told me he was mine. I don't care who told you that it won't God. God ain't going to take somebody. Why would God say covet not that belong to your neighbor? Then turn around and give you that to your neighbor. We get so conceived with our flesh. We let our flesh seize us and, and have a sacred thing that God ain't had nothing to do with. If you design wrongly, God is not going to give it to you. And then fourth, we're going to talk about doubting. Doubting God. If you doubt God, then you might as well forget about getting your prayer answered. But the Bible said, a double-minded man, let him not think that he shall receive anything of God. Believe God day and doubt God tomorrow. If you don't, if you got, if you unstable in all your ways, as James said, unstable in all your ways, let that man not think that he shall receive anything from God. It don't mean God's going to cast you off. It just means he ain't going to answer your prayer. You're not going to get nothing because you're double-minded. You're doubting. So, for, for, so I come out and share tonight. If you got unforgiveness in your heart, you need to ask God to help you. You need to ask God to help you. So we're going to let the word of God uh, uh, be the witness tonight. I want to talk about 10 ways, and I'm going to get out of the way, talk about 10 ways that, that, that will hinder your prayer. Now, prayer is an important part of Christ, a Christian life. The, uh, the prayer is their worship, supplication, and confession. Therefore, we don't want our prayer to be hindered because when we worship God, we want God to accept our worship. When we go through God in supplication and fasting, we want God to accept our fast. When we make our confession before God, we want God to accept our confession. So for that reason, we have to pray. 
And we don't want our prayer hindered when it comes down to these three areas. We don't want our prayer to be hindered. There are three requirements for effectual and fervent prayer. Ask, seek, and knock. Ask, seek, and knock. These are the three requirements that God has set up for prayer. Ask God, seek after God, and knock. But your heart got to be clean. You can't have animosity in your heart. You can't have unforgiveness in your heart. You can't have malice in your heart. You can't have hatred in your heart in order for these three things to work. You ask. You ask in faith. You ask in forgiveness. You ask as you have a right relationship with God. So if you don't want your prayers hindered, we have to stop doing these things. Now, I want to talk about 10 things that we need to stop doing if we want our prayers not to be having the first number one, lack of Christ. The lack of Christ in our life, Christian love, the life of, the lack of love. First Corinthians 13 and 1. The lack of God's love will cause our prayer to be hindered. You could be a Christian and still not have the love of God. Be born again and lose God's love. He said though uh first Corinthians 13 and 1 said, though I speak. With the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love. I have become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Now, you heard the story about the man that was on the way to Jericho. He fell among thieves. And the Bible said the thieves beat him up, took him along for his show, and left him there to die. He done laid there, I don't know how long, but the scripture said he was half dead. And then here come the priest by. The priest saw him and looked at him and passed by on the other side. And then here come a Levite came by. These are leaders of the, of the church. Uh, these like pastors and leaders, someone who knew better, someone who heart supposed to have been filled with compassion, someone sort of immediately supposed to have ran over where the man was and showed the man some love and, and, and tended to the man's wound. But the scripture said they looked on the man and passed by on the other side. Then later on the day, you already have dead now. So I'm sure if you have dead, you ought to be a little bit more dead right along in there. And here come a man come out of center, an ungodly man. Somebody out don't drill, somebody that's a drinking wine, somebody who don't even go to church. Somebody don't even know the Ten Commandments, don't even know the scripture. Time he saw the man, tears got in his eyes. His heart was filled with compassion. He jumped off his beast. He took his wine out, his 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 wine, and poured the and poured so the wine had alcohol in it. And he poured his wine on the man and cleaned the man up. And that that, that alcohol kind of you know killed the germ, uh, if any germs or viruses, whatever bacteria done fell in from the wound. And he poured the alcohol on him and, and the wine on him, cleaned him up. Then when he got him stable, he put him on his beast. Then he took him to the inn and and, and paid for him in a room, a room not for one night. But he gave a man enough of money where he could stay there until he got well. He said, now I'm going to give you enough of money that you will keep this man until he gets well. So, but if in any case, he spent more than what I gave you. When I come back, I'll pay that too. Jesus asked the question. He said, now who loved that man? Who was neighbor to that man? And they said, he that showed compassion. It ain't enough for you to be a Christian. It ain't enough for you to be born again. You got to show compassion. You got to show love. I never forget the time that me and my wife first started out. We in the Lord, we we we, you know, serving God, young Christian, and you know, we had the prayer band to come to our house, and 
really didn't have no food and and hardly had no money to pay the bills and and the prayer band came that night and, and I they say God sent them so I'm sure they did. And, oh, they danced and praised and shouted and and, and everything and had such a good time. But I'm just waiting that when they get through that they can hand me that offering that God gave them to bring so I can go buy some groceries when they leave or go and buy some things that were needful. And they shouted and praised the Lord and they left and said and said, You have a good afternoon and got in the car and left. I'm still hungry. Baby still needs some milk, pampers, whatever else we had it. And ain't no need been met. I'm like, okay, God, why you see it them? So I didn't want to be condemning or judging about it. But I read later on in the scripture what it said, if you come to somebody that be you fed and be you hungry and be you clothed and give them not the necessity of need, what have you done? So I thank God they came and prayed with it, but they didn't do anything. Like if the hand don't feed nobody. It ain't never fed nobody. So when you're trying to help someone, you're trying to show somebody love, you 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 got to have something in your hand. My grandfather used to, used to tell us you should never go to someone's house in need and not have something in your hand. So that is one thing that will hinder your prayer if without showing love. Because love it, it is of great importance. Okay, we're going to go to another. The second one is, is pride. And selfishness. James 4 and 3. You ask or pray and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your own lustful pleasures. And whenever you pray for a lustful pleasure, lustful reason, not for a spiritual reason, not, not, I'm not saying for your needs, you should always pray for your needs. But I'm praying, Paul said, they, uh, James said they were praying for, had pride. For lust, selfish reason, and he said, uh, uh, "Prayer to miss God is not an answer prayer. Selfish prayer, prayer that you just praying for your own self, praying just to fulfill your own lustful desire. But your prayer's got to be clean. Your prayer got to be honest. Your prayer got to be sincere. You got to ask with a clean heart, not with no anger and bitterness and unforgiveness in your heart. Your heart got to be clean from unforgiveness." Your heart got to be clean from bitterness. Your got heart got to be clean from malice. Pride and selfishness with him to God for hearing your prayer. Humble yourself. Ain't nobody better than nobody else. We all are brothers and sisters in Christ. Ain't no big eyes and blue of you. Your gift don't make you better than me. My gift don't make me better than you. Your gift does not separate us and set it apart, but it should bring us ever so close together. That's number two. Third thing is, uh, number three, is unbelief. Unbelief, the lack of faith. Hebrews 11 and 6 says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. But he who come to God must believe that he is, and he is the reward of them who diligently seek him. What is the writer trying to say? When you come believing, you got to first believe God is God. Now, how are you going to believe? How are you going to get your prayer answered when you don't even know He's God? You said that trying to doubt, talking about, hey, God is you, Lord, if you up there. Yes, He is up there. Hello, anybody around? He's up there. He ain't went nowhere. He ain't down here. He's up there. And God said, Why do you mean, ask me, am I up here? If you believe me, you already know I'm up here. How many know He's up there? You ain't got to ask if He's up there. And you got to believe that he's God and, and believe that he's able to supply that need. He's able to meet that need. He's able to answer that prayer. 
because you don't diligently sought the Lord, you don't fast and pray, you don't be a Christian, you don't walk the walk, talk the talk. You got to believe now that when you get on your knees and pray, that He is up there. He's eternal in the heavens. He's sitting on the throne. Jesus is sitting on His right hand side, waiting for you to pray so He can answer your prayer, and He will answer your prayer. But you got to believe. You can't believe today and doubt tomorrow. Just call the answer that come tomorrow. All of a sudden, you don't lost your faith. No, you got to believe tomorrow. If you don't come the next day, you got to believe the next day. If you don't come the next day, you got to believe the next day because He's not relying God. If He said it. He's going to do it. He said, let every man be a liar. Let God be the truth. And God's going to do just what he says. All he asks you to do to have a little bit of faith. Fourth, disobedience. Oh, my. That's one of the big ones right there. You can't disobey God and expect God to hear your prayer. You cannot disobey God and expect God to hear your prayer. It don't mean God won't hear you, but he don't have the answer. Beloved, listen to this. Beloved, that's 1 John 3, 21 and 22. 1 John 3, 21 and 22. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have a confidence toward God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. That's first John three, twenty one and twenty two. If your heart what he means is sometimes our heart will condemn us and we try to make like we ain't doing nothing wrong. If your heart is condemning you, your heart is trying to tell you something. And you need to take take vent and give give vent to, to your heart, consent that something wrong somewhere. You feel like something wrong, you you don't know what it is, you can't seem to touch it. But God is trying to vex in your spirit, trying to tell you something wrong, and you try to override it. And God is trying to say, no, you need to get this thing right. So maybe something you said to somebody. Maybe the way you spoke to somebody. Maybe the way you, you your conversation was. And maybe you said something and you didn't realize it was wrong. And the Holy Spirit will vet you. The Holy Spirit will, come, will get, all in, get, get all inside of you. Have you feeling all uneasy? I've been there. I don't know about nobody else. Well, he'll have you feeling all uneasy. So you get on your knees and pray to the Lord, what is it? What have I done, Lord? Whatever I said that I should say, what did I do, God? But he said, if your heart condemn you, not. Now, when your heart don't condemn you because you ain't did nothing, then you don't have to feel that way. You can go before God with confidence, knowing that when you add God, God's going to do it. He said, if your heart condemn you, not. It's a good thing for your heart not condemn you. It's a good thing to have a relationship with God where you ain't been felt guilty because you ain't did nothing wrong. And when you pray, God will hear and answer your prayer. But if your heart condemn you, then God is not going to answer your prayer until you get it right. He said, for example, uh, a Bible said if you have ALK against your brother and you come to the altar against your mama, against your daddy, against your husband, against your children, against your supervisor, against your friend, against your neighbor, if you have ALK against them, and you don't even have to be the guilty party. You, you don't even have to be the guilty party. It ain't about whether you did anything or not. The Bible said if you think that they're mad at you. If you think they're upset with you because of something, leave your guilt at the altar and go to them and ask them, say, did I do you wrong? Did I say something? Uh, and get it right. Then come back and offer your gift. 
We got family members in the church, family members on the choir, family members on the deacon board, family members on the mother board, family members sitting on the front seat at the church, family members prophet, a prophesying, family members ministers, family members who are apostles, family members holding leadership position in the church, and, and got awkward against their heart, in their heart toward one another. Ain't forgave, mad at somebody, ain't spoke and yield, ain't, ain't don't come to the family union, ain't going to no family union because they got malice in their heart. And here it is, thinking that God's going to hear your prayer. The Bible said, leave your gift at the altar. It is important that we stay, stay in fellowship with one another. It is important that the, the Bible said, keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. God wants us to stay in unity. God wants us. How are you going to teach others and tell them to forgive and not have malice? And here you ain't spoke to somebody in years. Still mad at them over some material thing. Because mama died and daddy died and left a seal or left a bedroom suit or left a lawnmower or left a weedy in the barn that you wanted. It was over material thing. You got malice in your heart because uh, at the funeral home you found out. That, that 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 they left it to somebody else and didn't leave it to you. Your relationship with them is better than that of that material thing that you angry with them about. So we have to be so careful that we don't walk in disobedience towards one another. Because God God would forbid that we walk in disobedience. And and we are disobedient when we don't love one another, when we don't fellowship with one another. Number five, discord and strife, confusing. Spreading discord is like going out in somebody's field and they done planted tobacco, you have to plant weeds. When you plant something in somebody's heart about somebody else, it's discord. The word discarded, it means to plant something in somebody's heart to, to cause somebody else to believe something about somebody else. And then, then, and then, then, then laugh about it and call others to join in, and they become strifeful about it. Husband, First Peter three and seven said that was First Peter three and seven. Husband, likewise, dwell with them with an understanding, giving honor to the wife and to the weaker vessel, and add being heir uh, together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Husband, I come out to share with you this evening, and I want to talk to all husbands who got a wife. You got to dwell with her according to knowledge. You got to consider her to be the weaker vessel, because the Bible said that your prayer ought to be hindered. No, she may not always say or do the thing that please you. She may not always uh, 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 agree with you, but you got to love her, and you got to respect her, and you got to be at peace with her. You can't be ill at her because she burnt the food or, 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 or she's still burning the food. You can't be ill at her because she did this and she did that. Because when doing so, God will not answer your prayer. Y'all got to be on one accord. You, you, you can't be doing her wrong and expect your prayer to be answered. Because God doesn't answer your prayer if you're doing her wrong. you running around and sleeping around and doing things you ain't got no business in, and then you're going to come and pray. No, you got to be, and you don't vent her spirit. You, 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 you she, she, it all with y'all not at, at one on one accord because of the thing that you doing or she doing. It's important that that you be at one at one with one another. Cause the Bible says when you get married, you ain't two no more. You're one. So it's important, husband, that you consider her the weaker vessel, and be not bitter towards her, 
God will hinder your prayer. Your prayer, you you here you is thinking that something wrong and all that hard work you're doing and the prayers are not hindered. Your prayers are not answered. It don't mean that God won't bless you later on, but right now your prayers are hindered because you're not on one accord with your wife. A home should be most a home should be the sweetest place for two people to be. You loving her, she loving you. Y'all on one accord with one another. And the Bible said, except it be that way, your prayers will be hindered. Number six, unforgiveness. And whenever you stand praying, if you have offered against anyone, forgive him, that your Father is in heaven may forgive you. Now, this is a hard one for folks to do, Christian people. So many Christian people that have been born again find it so hard to forgive. And they say, I forgave them one time. And, Pastor, I'm not going to forgive them because they keep right on doing it over and over. And I don't feel like it's right for me to keep on forgiving them after I don't forgave them. The Bible said you are to forgive them seven times seventy in one day. So what you forgave them one time? That was only one time. You got seven times seven. seven you got a whole long way to go. Seven times, what, 740 times? You got 739 more times to forgive them. You ain't even got started. So just get just just wipe them tears off your eyes and get that frown off your face because you ain't even got started work yet. The Bible says you are to forgive them all day long. What that means is you are to have a forgiveness heart all day long. If they if they do you wrong and come back and say they're sorry, you ought to forgive them. There ain't no such thing as five or six times and then it's over with. Because God says if you don't forgive them, God is not going to forgive you. Now, you imagine standing before God in heaven and find out all that walk you walked was in vain. All that Christian living you did was in vain because you wouldn't forgive. Now, you can go ahead and do it your way. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. The Bible says you ought to forgive them no matter how many times they do you wrong in the, in the name of Jesus. And, and and if you forgive them, God will forgive you. He said, but if you don't forgive them, your heavenly Father will not forgive you. Now, God said that Jesus is talking now. Jesus is doing the teaching. He said, if you don't forgive them their trespass, neither will God forgive you. Now, how are you going to go to heaven if God don't forgive you your trespass? Because our trespass is what he died on the cross for. He died that our sin and trespass might be forgiven. So be careful. Make sure you be very careful that you are not a person walking around with animosity in your heart, unforgiveness. And God, the nearest time that I die and go to hell, so I forgive exactly where you're headed. You didn't have to make that statement because you'll be going there anyway if you don't forgive without such an arrogant statement. We think we said something big would make a statement like that, I die and go to hell, so I forgive them. Yes, exactly what you're going to do if you don't forgive them. So I think you need to change that statement. And go find out, I don't care. I don't care if you got to call in the night. I don't care if you got to call in the morning. You don't need to die in your sin. You don't need to die and not and have unforgiveness in your heart. Because if you don't forgive, God ain't forgive you. And we and, and that up from the poor pit to the congregation. If you got something in your heart towards somebody, I don't care what they did to you. I don't care say she walked out on your husband walked out, your wife walked on you. You got to forgive that wife. You got to forgive that husband. Yes, they walked out on you, left you for somebody else. Pastor, you tell me, yes, yes, Papa tells you. You got to forgive them. I know it hurt. I know it feels bad. Don't someone get you a good cry out and wipe the tears out your eyes and go on with life and forgive them. So I didn't say go and hug them. I didn't say go and invite them to your birthday party. I said forgive them. Get rid of that hatred. Get rid of that animosity. Get rid of that bitterness out of your heart, and God will take care of the rest. We got a few more. So let me go on. Number seven, 
lack of reconciliation, lack. We talked about that earlier. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, we talked about that, and there remained a brother, and note and, and, and remember that your brother had altar against you, we don't talk about, to leave your gift there before the altar and go your way and reconcile to your brother and then come and offer your gift. And family members, this is this is going on with family members. So many family members are divided and say they've been born again. I remember I had a funeral back here somewhat a few months ago, and I was talking about how that family member got an awkward heart toward one another, and they've been born again next Christmas, but they won't forgive. They keep walking around with an animosity. And at the end of the service or the funeral, I was outside, the gentleman comes up and tells me, he said, you know what? I thank you for that message that you preached at the funeral. He said, because... Me and my brother hadn't talked in 15 years, and he said, I'm the saved one. He said, and you, you, he said, thank you for letting me, uh, for telling me that. He said, now, I'm going to leave here. I'm going to sacrifice that. I'm going to where my brother at right now, and I'm going to hug him and ask him to forgive me. I'm going to know the word is powerful right by itself. I Somebody need to go and find a family member. Somebody need to go. I don't know. It might be your brother-in-law, your son-in-law. might be your son, your daughter. It might be your mom or your father, your husband, your wife. I don't know who it is, but you need to go and you need to forgive. You need to forgive. You need to tell them I'm sorry. You need to tell them for walking around so long, calling myself and born again, and, 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 and treating you like this here. Okay, let's go to number, number eight. Unconfessed sin. Unconfessed sin. Psalm 66 and 18. If I had not confessed the sin in my heart, the Lord will not have her. Listen, listen. That Psalm 66 and 18 says, if I had not confessed the sin. See, if you don't confess sin in your heart, God will not forgive you. God cannot forgive sin that you don't confess. Now, he lead that up to you. If you confess your sin, God is just in faith to forgive you for all your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. But you've got to confess them. That's left up to you. God ain't going to make you. Uh, uh, tell him that you committed adultery. He's not going to make you tell him that you lied or you stole or, or you did this or you did that. you got to do that yourself. And I declare unto you, if you confess that sin far the east from the west and the north from the south, God will forgive you and, 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 and pick you up and, and, and renew you. He'll take you back and he'll wash you up and make you a, 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 and restore you to your original state. But you got to confess that sin. You can't keep it, keep that sin in your heart. He said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, that's what the writer said in another verse said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. Other words, I know it's there, but I'm hiding it. I ain't want to bring it out because I ain't want nobody to know what God knows. So you might as well go ahead and reveal it because God said he will not hear your prayer if you know sin is in your heart and then you don't confess it. Isaiah uh, 59, Isaiah 59, 1 and 2 says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that he cannot save, neither is it ear heavy that he cannot hear. But your iniquity have separated between me and you and your God, and your sins have hid their face. And it said, In calling your sin, I hid my face from you that I will not hear. God said that he ain't 
He able to do anything but fail. And God said he can answer every one of your prayers. It's easy for God to answer your prayer. He said, but your sins have made me hide my faith from you. And you don't want God hiding his faith from you. So go ahead and ask God to forgive you. Go ahead and get it right with God. We all done sinned and then come short of the glory of God. And maybe you ain't told nobody up, but God knows. And if your prayers ain't been answered, it's because your heart messed up. You got stuff in your heart you need to get right. And I come out and help somebody get their prayers answered. In times like this, we don't need no hindered prayers. We're about through. The ninth thing, trying to serve God and the devil too. Oh, my, that would take another sermon right there. He said, I call you and you and you refuse to listen. I stretched out my hand and you and, and, and no one paid attention. You ignored my advice. You did not want me to warn you. I will laugh at your calamity. I will make fun of you when you pray. Strike you, panic when you, and strike like a a violent storm. God said, "I laugh when calamity come. I laugh. I strike you like a wild, like the when the wild wind storm come. I laugh when trouble come. I laugh when anger come to you. They will call me at that time, but I will not answer. They will they will look for me, but they will not find me," said the Lord. How many know it's bad when God turns his back on you like that right there? You don't want all your life ignoring God. Don't want the preacher to tell you nothing. Don't want the apostle to tell you nothing. Don't want the pastor to tell you nothing. You won't listen to none of your brothers and sisters to be born again. You want to go your little old merry way. Now you land on a bed of affliction. Here you is, Tama, help me, Lord. And he mocking you, Tama, help me, Lord. Tama, Lord, I need you. He said, I need you. He said, I mock you. I laugh at you. Somebody said, God won't do that. Well, this is the word, what I'm reading. I'm reading this out the word of God. This is God's word. Said, I laugh at you. Proverbs 1, 24 and 28. God said, I will laugh at you. And you don't want God laughing. Now, number 10. Last but not least, number 10. He said, now, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we add anything, According to his will, he will hear it. My last one is, it got to be according to God's will. God ain't answering no prayers out of his will. You That prayer you praying, if it ain't in God's will, then don't feel bad. God wanted to be in his will. And when you're getting out of God's will, then God don't have to answer the prayer. So get back in God's will. Let the prayer you pray be in God's will. You're asking God this, asking God that. And that don't mean that God can't give you a millionaire. It can't a million. It don't mean God can't give you ten million. But is it is it in His will to give you ten million dollars? You got to make sure that the prayer you pray is God's will. Cause God, He said, if it's in His will, He will answer it. But He'll open the window to heaven and He will bless you. That's why when Solomon prayed, he prayed in God's will. He said, God, I'm not asking for the hand of my enemy. Neither am I asking for the enriching, but give me wisdom and knowledge. To, to do your will, to be a king, to be a leader. And the Bible said God gave him wisdom and knowledge and money. When you pray, you got to make sure it's in God's will. God, get God, give me knowledge. Give me wisdom of your word, Lord. Help me to walk this Christian walk, God. Help me to live the life of a Christian. And the Bible says all these other things will be added. And so I hope I help someone this afternoon that, that, that is holding on, that is having problems getting their prayer to answer. And you're wondering what's wrong. 
You think somebody that went down to South Carolina and got some roots working and got some dust and got some enchantment and throw on you, and, 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 and that's why you're having bad luck. The Bible said disobedient was a sin of witchcraft. Do you not know that disobedient is like like, like, like a witchcraft spirit to come on you? And not everything you touch is going to crumble. Everything you do going to crumble. Ain't nothing going to work in your favor because you are disobedient. Disobedient to who? To God, not your mom or your daddy. We're talking about God now. You disobedient to God. And the Bible says disobedient is like the sin of a witchcraft. It's like somebody put witchcraft on you. Like somebody put a bad luck spirit on you. And ain't nothing you do going to work in your favor until you surrender to tell God, Lord, forgive me for disobeying you. Forgive me for not obeying you. You said the prophet. You said the pastor. You said your mama. You said your daddy. You said my brother, my sister. You said members of the church. And I turned to deaf ear, God. And I realized I heard you this afternoon. It's my fault. That my blessing is not coming. It look, do you not know that the scripture said when you disobey God, He'll keep the leg out from on the table. He'll turn your life upside down just to get you back. God will keep God. You thought the devil keep the leg out from on the table. It was God who keep the leg out from on the table. So I come out to tell you, if you disobedient, you already cursing your own self. Ain't nobody got to go to no sacrament and get no dust with you. So make up your mind this afternoon that whatever is calling your prayers not be answered. According to the, some of this, I've already spoke. If you found your up in the message, then take heed, humble yourself, so God can bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. My God, it was awesome. It was so beautiful. And we definitely have to put that in the book, the 10 teachings of why we think our prayers are not being answered by God. That is awesome. I'm sure we need to have that written up and pass it out and or do it in Bible class or Sunday school. That is a teaching by itself. Thank you so much, Apostle. Yeah, you're more than welcome. Could you pray for those who have doubt or feel as though that God is not answering a prayer, especially young people who are searching for a job or husband and wife that want peace in their home and those that haven't seen, you know, things move for them. Can you intercede and stand in the gap and pray for them, please? Yes, precious Father, we don't know, only you know, why why the prayers have not been answered. They be trying to figure this or they may be trying to figure it out or trying to wonder their mind why you're not answering their prayer. But God, whatever the reason is, since you being God and you already know what it is, you reveal it unto them, oh God. You reveal it unto us. Reveal it to us what it is that will cause our prayer not to be ended. Then when you reveal it unto help us to be obedient, help us to repent, help us to lay down every weight and every sin to either beset us and move the hindrance out of the way, God. We know we have a part to play, God. And we know, God, you that, that if, we, if we repent, we know that we humble ourselves, you will hear our prayers. So I ask God in the name of you to show us what our wrong is. Show us what we're doing. That if we're not doing anything, help us to patiently wait on you, God, knowing that you will come, you will hear you will come to our rescue. So move all hindrances out of the way, God. Move all unforgiveness, all malice, all bitterness, all strife out of our heart, oh God, in the name of Jesus, uh, and that we might hear our prayers might be heard from heaven, and that heaven might come and see about us, oh God. And to break, put out every stronghold. Move all your, and we've been disobedient, Lord, and that we are called in the spirit of witchcraft to come upon us, God, because of our hard-headedness and rebellion. We ask you to forgive us and give us another chance. Speak to us again, Lord. Don't write us out. Don't count us out. 
God, but give us another chance. Do these things, we pray, O oh God, that I pray on my behalf, that you might open the windows of heaven and bless us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. You've been listening to Apostle Alexander Lockamy. Again, this is the Burning Bush. You can hear him on Thursday from 7 o'clock p.m. to 8 o'clock p.m. And if you try to call in, there's difficulty, please call back so you won't miss this dynamic broadcast. Again, God bless you. And God bless you, Apostle Lockamy. God bless. Have a nice evening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.